Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you've never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. Every Thursday over the next year, we are sharing a new episode in our Your Story Matters podcast series. This is an opportunity for people from Collective to be real about their brokenness and what God has done and is doing in their lives. These stories will be real and raw and vulnerable, and we hope they encourage and inspire you in your own faith to share your story. To watch the sermons from the Your Story Matters series or to find out more, you can head to www.mycollective.church. Thank you uh, for joining us on another episode of Your Story Matters. Last week, uh, Jake, you and I sat down. You got to share a little bit of your story kind of leading up to the point where you meet Danielle. Um, And so today I'm excited because Danielle's going to share some of her story. And then we're going to kind of talk through what it's been like since you guys met and what faith has been like. Um, And really for me, selfishly, like the thing I'm excited the most about is you guys sharing Um, about how God's used your stories already. You know, for a lot of people in this podcast, we're we're trying to let them know, hey, your story makes a difference and it matters and here's a platform to share it. And there's a lot of trust that we're we're asking people to give us saying, hey, this, we promise you, God can use this. Um, But with you guys, like God has been using it. And um, a lot of people know you guys because of that, but they don't know everything that went into getting to the point where, um, you guys play a really big part in a lot of people's lives and their faith and, and really this community. And so um, I'm excited for this. Danielle, I'm excited for you to share your story with us and uh, knowing it's a very different than Jake's. And But at some point you guys collide. So I'm excited to, to get to that point. And so the question we ask everybody to start off with, uh, which is never easy, which is go ahead and tell us about your childhood. What was it like growing up? family dynamics, where did you grow up, um, what what was childhood like in, in your household? Well, I'm a townie, born and raised here. <laughs> uh, just really quickly, Jake made fun, made fun of Frederick earlier because I was like, you were born and raised here. He's like, well, I was in Montgomery He's County. He's from Montgomery. So. <laughs> <laughs> just over the line. Yeah. yeah. He was a whopping 20 minutes away from here. So. Hey, it still counts. Hey, just put it out there. I love Frederick now. This is my, this is my home, so... All right, so you're born and, born and raised. <laughs> you're raised. Uh, grew up in Jefferson, and if you had told, like, 15-year-old Danielle that she'd be living in the townhouse right next door to the one she grew up in, I would laugh in your face. But here I am, back in Frederick. Still in Frederick. Back back implies there was some leaving, which there was, but, like, There it, was. It I was gone for four years okay. for college. It's like, that's how everybody feels about Frederick. <laughs> Uh, I'm back. It's like, no, you never left. But it's okay. All right. So you you lived here your entire life. You owned cows and had a farm. <laughs> <laughs> Not that far. Oh, but sorry. Too people, much rhetoric. People I went to high school with, yes. I had a good childhood. I was loved. I I tell my parents all the time that even if, like, there's, like, baggage that I have that, to this day, like, there was never a day in my life that I didn't feel loved and cared for. Cared for. Like, my needs were met. Um they, my parents sacrificed a ton to make sure that me and my siblings could do any of the sports that we wanted to. I did competitive cheerleading, my brother did competitive soccer, my sister dabbled on a bunch of different things, um, competitive gymnastics. So I, I grew up very loved and well cared for. Faith was definitely a part of 
growing up, like I remember going to sleepovers and if I had a sleepover on Saturday night, my parents were there at eight o'clock in the morning to make sure that I had to go to mass with them on Sunday morning. Uh, and it was the worst. I was like, all I want to do is just like have breakfast with my friend and their family this morning. Also, um, as a kid, you probably didn't go to sleep until no, like we five stay or up six till like five o'clock. <laughs> then you're going to church the next day, watching TV, watching movies, eating whatever we wanted. Um, but as like a kid, like I didn't, I didn't want to do that. Like I didn't know. Like I, it just it felt more like something that we had to do, and it was like checking off a box. Not that like my I think my parents like absolutely wanted us to like have faith. They wanted us to have those morals like. I know that they believed like that was what's best um, because they were raised by parents that believed that was best for them too. But I think it was a mix of like, I believe this is what's best for my kids. I want us to look good as a family. I think that might, I mean, I'm projecting on my parents, but I think they had us really young. And so I think yeah. they were trying to do, like, look at us, we, we did it. Like we have good kids, they don't talk during church type thing. And also, if we're doing the right thing, then they don't have to worry about us type thing. Yeah. So it's kind of what faith is like. Grew up in the Catholic Church. Honestly, didn't even know <laughs> that there were other churches until like middle school. I think uh, I went to one of my best friends. I don't know why my parents allowed it, but I went to their church. It was in a middle school or a high school in Frederick. You gotta watch out. And uh, I went with them one time, and I was like what on earth is this yeah. where are the pews why are we in a school why is there <laughs> loud music why are there lights everywhere <laughs> because i grew up going to a really small catholic church where like my parents were really like the only ones with children there i mean there were some kids but it felt like my parents were the only ones that like tried to at least make it somewhat of a rhythm but it was frustrating growing up because i'm like why are none of my other friends like having to go to church why am I the only one going to church yeah. what is even the purpose yeah because you guys went regularly it wasn't a Christmas and Easter no. thing it mm -hmm. was like almost every Sunday almost every week were you yeah, guys it was, it was rare if we missed especially yeah. when you're young when we were younger when we were older I think my parents kind of like lost that rhythm and I think when I went to college they kind of like stop doing it as much with my siblings when yeah. they were still in high school but um i mean i, I did the whole nine yards so i was had the infant baptism and then i did uh first reconciliation i did my first communion i did confirmation i did the whole nine yards there what was outside of like that stuff was there other involvement did you guys serve in the church because with with your family it's going to be different than a lot of people who share their story because a lot of people they either start in the faith but by the time they hit like middle school they're out or there was no faith or anything like that but but you know at least so far you're one of the people who are like no this was a part of our life a regular a, a consistent important part of our life um, but was it just a you show up on sundays you do kind of like the Catholic traditions, what they want you to do, mm -hmm. and that's it? Or was there more involvement kind of going on during the week, no. especially when you were older, like groups, things like that? No, no. I mean, I think there were some other like Catholic churches in the area that were bigger, and they had a bigger cohort of like kids my age, and they had some small groups, but the tiny little one that we went to in like, I guess, Knoxville, I don't know, around the Jefferson area, like there was no real small group availability um the only real serving 
that we did on Sunday morning was my dad and brother would was usher, they were ushers sometimes, collecting offering, and holding communion sometimes. And every once in a while, our family would be asked to carry up the gifts to the front of the church, which was the worst because I did not want to be center of attention. At a church? <laughs> no. Um, so really, it was it was strictly Sunday, and then any of like the practices in Catholic faith. My parents made sure that we did those, but there there was like some sort of like small groups here and there, but nothing that had a lasting yeah. impact on me. So if you had to describe what faith was like then, like, or at least your relationship with Jesus, because that, that's really the difference. What did that feel like, especially as you got older? So we're talking like middle school, high school age. Mm-hmm. What was faith in Jesus like? I don't think there's ever been a point in my life where I was like, God doesn't exist. Um, in the church that I went to, like, he preached on Jesus, like his teachings, and that he was someone to emulate. But it, I think it lacked the relationship aspect yeah. with Jesus. Well, how did that impact you as like a teenager? As like once high school started, like my aunt was really involved in my life. I'm actually closer in age to her than my mom is. Made her only ten years apart, um, and like she helped start like a young life group for us, like me and some of my closest friends, which were us with the strictest parents in high school. <laughs> And so, like, I wanted it. Like, I I wanted to be fully invested in it, but honestly, like, a lot of it was, how can I just, like, do what I'm told and, like, be the good kid, get my good grades, but also, like, do what I want on the side where my parents don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. So it was more so, like, let's, like, look good and, like, look like a well-put-together girl, but there, there was no relationship with Jesus. It was more so hey, this is just like a checklist type thing. I felt a lot of wrestling in like mainly high school is when I started to like think it was high school is when I remember like I think I'm I'm going against what I'm feeling is what's correct and what's right and what God is calling me to do, but I'm choosing not to follow that. But let me pretend to be a really good Christian girl so my parents think that I'm doing things right but I'll still sneak out at my friend's house yeah so that was just for your parents right it wasn't like for anybody else at this point because you're living a different life Monday through Saturday than when you show up on Sunday to church yeah I mean I didn't really have a ton of relationships with people at church no lie like they were all my parents were like in their 20s and 30s and everyone else was 55 plus like I mean they're just there just really wasn't a ton of kids my age one of my closest friends um he came he was you know, raised by his siblings that were like 15 years older than him. Um, he came because his siblings were making it a practice. You know, they had gotten to their 30s and then they wanted their kids to be yeah. that way too. But, you know, there's him and he's smoking pot in his, you know, <laughs> backyard of his brother's house. So, yeah, I mean, on Sundays, like, you know, you show up, you be quiet and you pay attention because mom's going to ask you the questions in the car ride on the way home. Like, did you guys hear that? Were you listening? Um, you know, and at Young Life, like, I, I wanted to be, like, I, I wanted to be, like, a good person. I wanted to, like, have the morals, but it was also, how can I keep doing good things so my parents will let me have more sleepovers at other people's houses? Sure. <laughs> so I can go to the party. At some point, you kind of leaned out. So what led you to that point? What did that look like? Graduate high school, and that was all she wrote. 
mom's not here to tell me what to do anymore. Dad's not going to tell me what to do anymore. So I went and I got my nose pierced. <laughs> that was the first thing? Yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> well, no, it wasn't. I went to senior week, which is a Maryland thing. And it was like my real first taste of freedom. Um, I had like convinced my parents that like I was responsible enough to go and I was drunk the entire time and made very poor decisions. Um, people that I thought were my friends definitely weren't my friends. Uh, I was taken advantage of for the first time because it was like, oh, that girl that had like the strict parents, like she's finally here at the parties. So I think like a lot of like my childhood leading up to that was like identity. Cause like when I was younger, like, you know, I wanted to be uh, like, I wanted to get the good grades. I wanted to like be the best gymnast. I wanted to like be all these good things because those were, you know, titles that people had put on me. Um, and I ended up being diagnosed with a bone disease and I couldn't do gymnastics anymore. And so I lost that sense of identity, which I had had like my entire like childhood formative years. So I was like the first time that like I lost a sense of identity. And I think all through like middle school and high school was like that wrestling of like finding identities. Like, am I gonna be a Christian? Am I not gonna be a Christian? Am I gonna be popular and well-known in high school and middle school? Am I gonna do drugs? Am I not gonna do drugs? Am I gonna do all these things? Um, are these my friends? Are these not my friends? And like, so going to like, having that first taste of freedom and realizing that people that I thought cared about me didn't actually care about me. I think that was like a pinnacle of like going down a spiral of like, well, where can I find securement and love and all the things yeah. in life? So then I went to college. Yeah. Which, Obviously, if you're in that place of seeking out love, seeking out identity, seeking out acceptance, yeah, like mm-hmm. there's this law, and like obviously, like I'm not bashing college, but pretty quickly they're like, it's here, like you're gonna find all the things, and it's like it's behind this door, and whether it's sororities or clubs or oh, even degrees that you could get, it's like this is the path. Immediately, you're hit with this isn't it. And you just run headfirst into chaos. Oh, yeah. I mean, I went in super naive. I was like, I'm going to get my nursing degree or some sort of health degree. Because there was always something I'd been interested in. I think a lot of people that grow up in gymnastics want to go into some sort of health something. uh, Because it sets a really unhealthy tone for body body image and all the things, which I also struggled with. So I was like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to work in like Baltimore, D.C. I'm going to like do all these things. And then quickly I was like, well, I have no studying habits. So then... I realized like I wasn't as good at academics as I thought I was in high school. So then there's that identity issue. Um, I'd always been told I was like really, really talented athlete, like gymnastics, cheerleading, didn't make the team for their collegiate cheer team that year. And so then I was like, well, screw that. I'm going to be a party girl. And that's what I did. Yeah. And so you were at Towson. Mm -hmm. How long were you there? What, what was kind of like the bottoming out? Um, I was there for two years. I just, I did everything that I thought college should be, like partying, sleeping around, kind of experimenting with drugs, but I was also a little too scared. (laughs) (laughs) But it it was mainly just like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, sometimes the the Tuesday nights if I could figure out a fake ID to get in. (laughs) Um, This is going to be hard for a lot of people to hear. (laughs) In the bath (laughs) fire. Uh, so I think that like constant, like every week, that was my cycle. 
I ended up, freshman year, I was like, I got a good grip on this, like partying my life away. And then uh, sophomore year, I ended up getting in a really serious relationship with a guy that was like four years older than me. Um, and that, I mean, that was, that was the start of the end because he was emotionally abusive. I mean, he introduced me to a lot of like really unhealthy things. Um, and then our relationship itself was unhealthy. And then he ended up really isolating me from like any potential friendships that I could have had. Couldn't like go out with girlfriends on the weekend. He had to be up there every weekend visiting me. If back then, if iPhones could have like the share your location thing, absolutely like it would have had to have been that way. Threatening to like, you know, kill himself because I, he thought I was unfaithful, but it wasn't. Yeah. Um, which I believed him because he owned a gun, like. Yeah. And I started to like have these, you know, for a lack of better terms, come to Jesus moment yeah. on that night when he started threatening me with those things. I was like, what am I doing with my life? I'm really unhappy, I'm really sad, I'm not fulfilled. I had dropped out of some of my classes. I think my parents know that. Um, I ended up finishing college, it worked out. But I remember like crying, walking back to my apartment from the bar that night. And some girl on Facebook that I went to high school with shared, I know this is really corny, but it's the Oceans song. Yeah. It That song literally is why I decided maybe I should try Jesus again. Yeah. It was overplayed, yeah. but it was a great yeah. song. The words and the meaning behind it are just so good. Like when you think about life and what it feels like, mm -hmm. it's, it's that. And like I wanted to like, although I was in a really, really unhealthy situation, I was comfortable in it. Yeah. And the thought of the work of trying to get out of that sounded terrifying. Yeah. Um, but that song kind of like gave me the push to see like where I could go. If I put a little trust into like who I still believed was real, yeah. I literally said, if you are in fact real, I need you to help me out yeah. of this situation. And so that spring semester, I ended up going, I was like looking at a bunch of different schools and <clears throat> I was on my way to visit one of my best friends to watch her compete at uh, the University of Kentucky. She ended up going on a scholarship for gymnastics. I was riding up with her mom and my mom. My mom was actually sleeping in the back, which is really funny, but I was up in the front with my uh, really good friend's mom. And she was like, have you ever thought about Liberty University? And I was like, why on earth would I go there? Mm -hmm. That's just crazy Christian people. Mm -hmm. I'm not doing that. <laughs> um, she's like, no, but like, listen, like one of Katie's old friends, um, like one of her friends from high school, he was like partying guy. And I guess he also had some sort of a come to Jesus moment and like up and left where he was at and went to Liberty and became like, he was, I don't know what he's doing now, but he ended up focusing on like youth ministry of wow. sorts. And when she like told me who he was and I was like, I only know that dude as a partying dude, yeah. like from like high school. Are you sure you're talking about the right <laughs> person he went to that Christian school? She's like, yeah, like he's, you know, his life has changed. And I was like, okay, whatever. She's like, well, like, what do you, like, what do you want? I was like, well, I really want to cheer. Like if I go somewhere, she's like, well, look up their cheerleading team. So what it's like. And uh, it was a co-ed team, which I'd always want to do co-ed cheerleading. I was like, they look pretty good. I'll just apply for like fun and uh later on in that drive like you know it was like a six hour drive a car drove past us with a liberty university sticker and she was like you should probably apply <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so i did and then on my way to the tryouts i was like god i'm only going here if i make this team wow. i'm not going to do it if i'm if i don't make the team because wow. i i wanted friends like I, I made zero friends when i was at liberty yeah 
you know, you, you think you have, or when I went to Towson, you think you have friends, um, and then they leave you yeah. drunk and passed out at a party, and you're like, who does that? Yeah. Like, what, like, that's not a friend. Well, and that's such a big part, again, of, like, the safety and security and finding it in the wrong place. In a, in a friend. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, the right friends do exist, mm-hmm. but the wrong friends with the wrong foundation, like, that, that's where it leaves you is going, wait, hold on, like... I didn't think I'd find safety and security in, in my school or the actions I was taking, but at least I thought I'd have these people. Yeah. And then to decide, okay, I would like that, but only here's my stipulation, God. I, I definitely put some, you know, cards on the table. I was like, this is the only way I'm going. Yeah. Uh, and I made the team. Yeah. So I was like, well, I guess I'm transferring in the middle of college, which also was like terrifying. Because, yeah. you know, I got there and... I didn't have a car, so I had to live on campus, and I had a bunch of freshman roommates, and I was like, this is lame. Also, you can't party there. Like, no. it's a dry campus. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it's a dry county. You could only buy alcohol by a certain point yeah. in the day. Yeah, because the laws there, it's no Sundays, no past midnights. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. So let's talk about that for a second. Structure. What well, was that? I realized, like, if I really want to change my life, maybe I need to go to a place with rules. Like, sure. if you told me at 18, you should go there, absolutely not. When I was 20, I was like, maybe I do need some guidelines in my life. And I got there, and like, I couldn't believe it. I was like, people were smiling and hoping, holding, holding the door open for you. I was like, I'm not in Baltimore, Maryland anymore. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> but I somehow found myself in the same situations. I still somehow found myself partying, you know, figuring out how to sneak out. Yeah. And I realized that I was just like running away from problems. You know, I was trying to run away from that bad relationship I was in and the partying and all the other things. I realized maybe, maybe, maybe I'm the problem yeah. and not all the other things around yep. me. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, like throughout those last two years of college, um, I ended up meeting somebody there who I thought for sure, like, oh, he's a really nice Christian guy. Like, this is it. And then he broke my heart. And it was the worst. But it was for the best reasons because it was it was like that final like come to Jesus moment for me, and uh, I hate to give this to him, but he like sat me down. And he was like, "I don't know if you actually have a relationship with Jesus," yeah. um, and I was like, "Well, of course I do. Like I've believed in him my whole life. I I'm I'm very prideful, so I wanted to like prove him wrong, and through proving him wrong, I realized that he was right. Like I didn't have a relationship yeah. with Jesus. So like that whole summer before my senior year of college, um, I said, you know, I need to figure out like this faith thing. It, am I going to continue to like just not pursue it, or am I gonna make it my own? And I felt like I couldn't just walk away from it without like putting in the effort to actually like research and read and decide like you know is it my parents faith that I'm going to follow is it the faith of the school that I'm going to follow or is it like what I'm reading and what like Jesus says uh so that whole summer like I researched Catholicism and Baptist church and all the things and I heard that reading the book of Acts would be uh, a good start so I read it and it was it was like you know that like that peak of like there's so many things that I didn't know, um, and I got to the part in Acts where it says you know repent and be baptized, and I was like, well I was, was I? 
but it says repent and be baptized and like the repent came first and I was like I don't know if I've ever repented for anything yeah. uh, I mean I did in high school one time when he had to go for confession and mass uh, <laughs> to, check, to check the box yeah, yeah. and like I, I I don't write off like everything from like yeah. my Catholic faith like uh, like the reverence behind it and the tradition behind it like there there is good stuff to come from it um, but like through my research and through my reading like th- there were things that I didn't believe and I realized that although I'm so thankful that my parents like wanted faith for me and they did their best to like raise me up in it like I couldn't just keep like hanging on to like what their faith was I had to like decide what was my own so I read that and I was like what what am I gonna do with this I can't get baptized my parents are they're they're gonna they're gonna lose their ish uh so (laughs) so I did it but I didn't tell them I was gonna do it but it was like the strongest my faith had ever been because I made the decision to like do it on my own and like I put in the effort and the work to really pursue like what does a relationship with Jesus look like not like oh yeah I believe in him he's he's that guy upstairs he's caring for me it's like what does a relationship look like with him like how is he going to get me through the good times and the bad time moving forward um well and and really like you don't get to that point of searching without your parents trying to build a culture in your life because if there's no baseline there, if there's no faith understanding, if there's no faith experience, when you hear the song Oceans or when this guy breaks up with you, when you hit that point of like, what am I doing? You turn to all the other things, right? Eventually you start making decisions that lead to more destruction and more destruction, more destruction. And so you did what your parents would want you to do, which is, hey, you hit this hard point. You're wondering where God is. You're seeking him out and you're letting him lead you. And it led you to this faith moment so you know you get baptized you start really pursuing jesus you're still in college how did that change your college experience did it change your college experience it did i mean it was still hard like being a senior in college and like i still like knew some of the people that would party and so like i still went like you know it wasn't like this like magic moment like i got baptized and i did no mistakes afterwards but it was it was different like i had scaled back light years compared to what I used to be like um and I I was was still like actively like pursuing and trying to like make it a stronger part of my life and you know and I I finally had friends that like were on like similar playing fields as me like that also struggled with like you know the you know the parts of college where like do we party do we not party like should we go hang out with this boy should we not hang out with this boy type thing um, but, you know, we at least were, like, trying to speak truth into each other. So you graduate, you come back home. And I needed an internship. Yeah. Uh, so that led you to the mission. Yep. The summer before, which was when, like, I got dumped and everything, is I went to, like, some concert with my mom. It was a big Christian concert, and my mom has no shame. She was like, do you see that boy? Do you see him? He's really cute. And I was like, yes, he is. I am heartbroken. I just got dumped three weeks ago. What is wrong with you? <laughs> but do you see that boy? That's exactly what she said. Uh, But, you know, we realized that, like, he was a part of the mission. My mom and my sister had volunteered there before. And so then at the end of college, my mom was like, you should do an internship at the mission. I was like, you have no idea if that guy's still there. She didn't forget about him. That's the main reason. Not because the mission does good work or anything, but because that pretty guy might be there. But it it worked out for (laughs) a reason. Like, I was supposed to do, like, an internship overseas, but it fell through. Um, They didn't end up needing a public health intern. 
and then I was considering going to Nashville to like live with my aunt and potentially do one at like a um, public health place there um, but they were taking too long to get back and I had to like decide and the mission called me back and Jake's coworker, she's like you can do this and you can do this and this this like all of the places that we have here all of the ministries you can work with all of them I was like that sounds like like a multi-fat this sounds like a great internship yeah so during uh, my spring break I came home to like meet with her and she's like you know what I'm gonna bring I'm gonna bring the case manager of the men's program down because you're gonna work with them too um, and it was Jake it was and me. you should have felt the heat coming off of my face. Uh, I, I didn't recognize her initially. Okay. She had to. Um, it was, she was kind of silhouetted. She was sitting the in, was in the me. window, so she said she blushed. I couldn't see or tell. Uh, I mean, I could tell that she was pretty. Uh, I was one thing. To make sure there wasn't a ring. Yeah, there was one. You know, again, like I said before, I wasn't really looking for anybody. But again, yeah. it's like I don't really need an attractive intern. You know, so on the way down, I told her I was like, oh, I hope she's not pretty. <laughs> she's not pretty. <laughs> she was pretty. And I'm like, man, but you know. So, I guess a couple months after that, that's when you came back to intern in the summer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like right at the beginning of summer. And on that day, I was like, hey, do you remember that girl and the really forward mom that sat behind you in the concert? That was me. And he was like, oh, yeah. What was you guys? And I was like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Stalking me? No, I'm just how, kidding. So, how long did it take from internship to dating it was in the summer too long <laughs> it was in the summer um i would maybe get the years on 2016 no or 2016 is yeah, when 16. i did my internship yeah we so summer like march of uh 17 is when she asked me out okay for you what's faith like at that point because you're home mm-hmm. it was it was difficult because you know when my parents found out that i got baptized like it was a whole ordeal um, you were trying a bunch of churches. I was. Like, they ended up getting over it. Like, I think they were just thankful that, like, I had faith. Like, you know. That it that. brought you through yeah. all those things. Uh, but then when I came home from college, I was like, I, I know I need to make church, like, a priority. Like, what am I going to do? So then I just started trying a bunch of churches around here. And I was like, this one's too long. Uh, I went to one. And I ended up just staying there. And I went to, like, I finally had worked up the courage to go to one of the iPads to sign up for a group. And the guy typed in my email wrong, and I never heard back anything. And, and I was too shy to, like, tell anyone. And, um, <laughs> People wonder why Collective is, like, so OCD about things. This is why. It's so wild to see her now. I've, tol- I've told that story to yeah. my teams a million yeah, it times. It matters. Now, now, like, you know, I don't have, I'm more confident now. But yeah. there are people like that. But you had to take that step. I did. You know, you had to keep taking those steps and becoming and being uncomfortable. So, okay, so you guys start dating in 2017. Yeah. Collective starts in 2017. Yeah, so... Um, Jake's like, I'm going to go to this really small church. It's not even a church yet. Oh, uh, with a bunch of young people. I was like, I'm not doing it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so she was, she was definitely a little worried about it. Um, we had received some invitations. Uh, me and Mike Greenberg were um, uh, roommates at the time, and he was bringing it up. And I knew a couple other buddies that were coming also, and... You know, I was just like, man, I'm just, I'm trying some churches with her and, um, you know, was hearing about it. And then I remember uh, being downtown with, with uh, Mike and uh, Matt Costa and uh, running into CT and Rachel and Eliza was just a little baby and uh, realized, you know, so then I met some other people from Collective and then, I don't know, it just kind of started to draw me in a little bit. I started to feel drawn in and I think we attended... um, uh, one of the the main small group, oh yeah, um, at the Wells House, and um, and then we did the uh, 
He uh, went to one without me first, and then I he was did. like, "You should come yeah. with me next week." Yeah. On preview services, I never got to. I don't. We, we never went to one. One, I think. Um, and we did the. Um, we went and filled the food and stuff. Oh yeah, the meal packing. Mm-hmm. Meal packing, uh, and then you had services in September of seventeen. Yeah. And I remember um, we were dating, and I just knew, you know, I wasn't. I was dating to marry. I mean, unless she was nuts, you know, or something. And I just knew that she was. Uh, she wasn't. She had a good head on her shoulders, you know, or whatever. But I was attracted to her, and um, just felt like, you know, this is be my wife. And um, and we we were having open conversations, and I had not proposed yet. I was in November, but as I was making these decisions, you know, I was kind of basically thinking about somewhat of what you were talking about recently, you know, being the man and leading and, and believing that she would follow me. And uh, so I started having open conversations with her of like, hey, this is where I'm, I feel like I'm being led and you're with me. Are you going to follow me? Yeah. And uh, she followed me. Yeah. I remember, I think it was like opening day, Jake, you're like, I'm joining this team. And Danielle's oh, like, I'm not joining this team. Yeah, she no, was not. it was like me and my sister, and like they're all gung-ho. I was like, you guys don't even know these people. Yeah, what's wrong with you? No. I just know that I, uh, you know, commitment-wise and stuff, I was there. I was like, well, I'll go try and serve. And then I just remember like putting the stuff on the chairs, and I'm like, Jake, what are you doing? Are you either going to do this or you aren't? Like, yeah. what are you, you know, knowing me. Yeah. I knew I was just you know, wasting my time, What you know, I, you know, knowing me. So I was like, all right, I'm joining this team. Yeah. Um, so I dove in. She was definitely a little more reluctant taking her time. And then she soon followed. Yeah. So you guys are dating. You get engaged. Right before launch. Yeah. And then September, October. Yeah. Three months so ago. at this point, like, these worlds are colliding. You obviously know Jake's story. Like, in recovery, working through that. Like, he knows your story you share them when you're comfortable, but your lives are now coming together. So what, what was that like, you know, faith wise, do you guys feel like you're at a point in your faith where you're like, yeah, it exists, you know, um, or do you guys feel like you were thriving? Like kind of what was going on in your life from engagement up to really your, your wedding? I don't know if we ever felt like we were like thriving us coming together and becoming one and making our faith one is something that we believed in and we believed Jesus would lead us in that. But it was somewhat of a struggle, man. Because I'm bringing my, my baggage, she's bringing hers. I, I do believe, I remember always talking to her as an intern and um, or when we were friends beforehand. Uh, she was just always awesome to talk to. Just could tell that regardless of my story that she didn't, like she accepted me. Yeah. And uh, um, just her heart and stuff like that. So. You know, to be honest, for me, it was it was it was kind of difficult for me leading into our relationship because I haven't dated since high school, you know, and, you know, I had some hurts and stuff from an ex-girlfriend and, you know, some some of my baggage started to come up, you know, some insecurities and things like that. So uh, there was definitely some stuff for us to work through all, you know, all good, though. And, and we continue to put our faith in God and we've continued to allow him to lead us. Um, but it, it hasn't hasn't been perfect. You know, one of the reasons why I asked you guys to share your story is because, one, I don't think people know everything or even would believe everything because specifically people who are involved at Collective see Danielle on stage regularly. Jake, you're on stage all the time, you know, baptizing people, case manager at the mission. And what I think is a lot of people see that and go, oh, they love Jesus. They married each other and love Jesus. And now they're like making an impact loving Jesus. But... There's been a lot in between, Danielle, you coming on staff at Collective, um, which wasn't what you wanted to do. No, when you pulled me aside, I thought you were going to ask Jake for a job. 
Well, okay. Or offer so, Jake a job or ask us to like lead a group or something. Then you're like, hey, Danielle, did you ever work at Collective? I was like, what? You were a leader at the time. Yeah. I said I was bored and I wanted to do more. And at the time we were looking to hire somebody. And so, yeah, like I pulled you guys aside in West Frederick Middle School, in that weird hallway on the way out. No big deal. No big and deal. Collective was only one year old. And ultimately the conversation was, hey, if you're so bored, then why don't you work here? One thing I don't want people to think is that you get this job and like your faith is perfect. Mm. You know, you say yes to what God's asking you to do. You you start doing case management at the mission where you lead guys in recovery and faith. And and there's this misunderstanding in faith that like, oh yeah, like once you put your faith in Jesus, once you find somebody who loves Jesus and you become one, it's all perfect. And that's not the reality. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you take the job at Collective, it's 2019. Yeah, sir, January. January 2019, which was already a really crazy time for Collective because I think maybe a month later, if you guys remember, we're sitting in the office, old office, reading Chinese food, and I'm saying, hey, just a heads up, if we break 400 on Easter, we're getting in a building. Mm -hmm. And at the time... Things were moving pretty fast. Yeah. You know, so not only is, like, the job hard, it's the job intense. Jake, you guys are going through changes at the mission, how you're doing the programs, but, like, life wasn't easy. And so talk to me about that. Like, what, what was 2019 like, you know, and then 2020 as well, leading up to really Nora? You know, we had gotten married at the end of, or in the middle of 2018. And I think, like, a good portion of that first year, like, we did wrestle, like, like Jake was talking about, like, some of his baggage of, like, trust. And then there was my baggage of like shame and guilt that I carried. Um, and so like a lot of that collided in like the first year of our marriage. And I think we've always tried really hard to like communicate and over communicate. And I, I was kind of like raised in a way where, you know, you tough it out. I was a gymnast, you know, you just be tough, like brushed under the rug. And Jake is a verbal processor and he's a very tender person. He's really challenged me to uh, talk more about things and feel feelings. And that all kind of like led to 2019 where I'm like 24, I'm working for this church and I'm like leading sometimes 50 year olds on my team and I'm like figuring out like that identity. And then uh, one of my very best friends passed away like six months into working at Collective. Yeah, we- um, And it was the worst. Yeah, very sudden thing. And uh, you know, young, one of the friends that she met at Liberty, mm-hmm. um, like sister type thing, but just not blood, you know? And that, that was devastating. One, it was one of the first moments where it was like, oh my gosh, how, how do I care for my wife mm-hmm. and during this time? Like, what do I do? Just thinking in the, in the moment, like, I don't know what to do. And, and a lot of times that's some of the best questions, you know, to, to ask God. And <laughs> he just quickly reminded me that like, he, he told me, you know, basically I, I began to rely on my own experience, yeah. you know, losing my brother. <laughs> I, I just, I, I knew exactly what she was going through. Yeah. You know, a sudden death, not expected, your best friend, it's, uh, it's, it's crushing. Which is, which is weird because I, I, I'm, I'm somebody, I, I like to try to fix things sometimes. I just found it, I just, I would just sit there and I would cry with her. Yeah. The pain and the, the healing and the grief and the, the restoration and the, the understanding that was provided, you know, throughout, you know, after my brother's death and following God, um, you know, I was able to share with her yeah. and minister to her. Yeah. Um, in a lot of ways, that's how God works. You know, he uses, uses our stories and the pain and the things that we've been through 
to minister to those around us that are going through the same things. You know, you can you can look at that person and say, hey, I know what you're feeling. And not, not in a... Because, you know, in that moment, you're not going to say anything to make anybody feel better. There's nothing you can say to make somebody feel okay. You just have to be with them. Yeah, you just nice. have to sit with them. And, and for her to know that I know what she was going through, she's already, told, you know, it's told me that it, it, you know, helped a lot. Yeah. And I know, Danielle, one of the things that was really hard about Sarah's passing was there was a lack of, like, empathy in community in Christians specifically who gave a lot of the like, Hey, everything happens for reasons and the, Hey, I know how you feels. And a lot of the things that you struggled with in Sarah's passing, not just the grief of Sarah's passing, but was also how some of that community from, from Liberty and like around like handled it. How did this impact your faith? Because I do want people to know, like, Jake, you said it was sudden and it wasn't, it was sudden. It wasn't like she was making bad decisions. You know, it's just like one of those terrible things that happen that nobody is prepared for or expecting, but like it, it rocked you Mm -hmm. and everything specifically so much of your relationship with Sarah was tied to restoration and your relationship with Christ. It was soul crushing because she was now I've had like, really true and good friends from like all seasons of my life um but she like she was like the truest friend I had ever had um you know a lot of my story was like finding like you know those good friends that security like somebody that was going to challenge me in my faith that like cared about my that cared about my soul um and Sarah did and so like her dying like not gonna lie my instant thought was like how dare god like how how can there how can there be a good god if he takes away someone so good like that like just so full of life like a true friend um so instantly i was like a lot of it was like i work for a church she encouraged me to take this job like she was excited for me like i'm like i don't i just don't understand like how like she can be here and not be here uh so it it significantly impacted my faith because I had to like, you know, you had you have to decide like, are you are you gonna lean into like letting God comfort you, yeah. like believing in like the promises of Jesus, or am I going to spiral? You know, it was I mean it was really hard um, having Jake have a similar experience it, it truly was helpful uh because like the the like platitudes that people share like oh, everything happens for a reason and oh, bully she's in heaven and you know all, all those things like they're just they're not helpful they honestly they just pissed me off um but you know jake like sitting in the suck i think that's Brene brown's term with me um i mean there's half half times like he helped wash me because I was like so distraught um things like that truly like helped carry me through and uh, I think a lot like what has helped me the most is knowing that her life had purpose and it had meaning and like for me you know when I shared at her funeral like her life like helped change my life like she she's someone like when I was wrestling I was like should I get baptized should I get baptized she's like you should do it (laughs) 
and she 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 really like helped change the trajectory of my life um and so like knowing that like god like used her life and used her story to like change my life and i I know she changed other people's lives too um from school and beyond it was really helpful and just i i think also knowing that like she and herself like faith was important to her and i know that she would not want me to walk away from something that she challenged me so hard to like grow in and so i pushed through yeah and it was it was a it was a long season oh it was awful i mean i i developed like night terrors and i've always struggled with like some form of anxiety but i think it i mean it just exacerbated i i don't know i've lost count of the amount of times that jake had to like calm me down from waking up or wake me up from a nightmare um walking into stores and like freezing in the back of like a walmart like by myself like kind of like blacking out like where even am i right now um so it was it was really really hard yeah and so one of the things that i admire about you two is like you guys have started using your stories to impact others and you started to choose vulnerability in your own life because you trust that God will care for it and, you know, be tender hearted toward it. And the end result has been other people then like walking through faith and you guys being able to share your hard seasons. I mean, at this point I was talking to Danielle the other day, I think it was like almost 15 people. Like you guys have baptized that collective and just like the past two years. And it's not that you're on stage because it's you guys. You're on stage because you guys have parts of your life and stories in your life that people are connecting to. And so what is it like now through the ups and downs of faith where your peaks and your valleys hit at different times, which is like what's incredible about marriage because it's often not at the same time. But now God is using both, Jake, in your sense, it's like your valley and then the peak of that then cared for Danielle and then in her valley and then coming through a peak of that you guys are now like in different phases of it but sharing that with other people and having the opportunity to baptize people and to talk to people about recovery you know and to help people get into the mission and to help other people realize I do need to take this next step so what does it feel like knowing God has just taken all of that and somehow uses that to to move other people closer to him it's really amazing honestly like if you ask me about my faith journey it's been it's full of ups and downs but it's it's been pretty awesome it's been hard but so worth it so i mean a lot of times people look at me and like you said they don't they're like you what and um so when i get to share those testimonies and and um and continue to to pour into people it's i'm sometimes still kind of confused by it um so sometimes like why me type stuff you know and uh or just um okay god keep doing it keep using me um again it's just another thing that i can share with people i mean the the way god has used my decision to put my faith in him to save other people in my family and to um and other people that i that i get to work with um i I tell guys all the time like you have no idea the amount of influence your decision is going to have uh on the trajectory of your life and not just your life but your family's life so you know and the the whole baptism thing is it's kind of surreal sometimes um 
try to make sure I give it the reverence that it, that it, it has. Sometimes I'm like, man, it's like a big responsibility. Can't yeah. somebody else do this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, you should just do them all. No. Um, but the fact that guys would ask me to do that, um, it, it just, it means a lot. I mean, I, I look back at my life and this was nowhere, this, this was not happening. Yeah. This was not happening. It's crazy how God uses my story to impact others. It's crazy to see how he uses her, all her life before mine and my, all my life before hers to, to minister and continue to bring healing into each other's lives throughout, through our marriage and, and then through to other people. Obviously, us sharing our stories before this, like, I, I don't know, but uh, definitely not the likely candidates yeah. uh, for the positions that we're in now. But God, that's exactly who God wants. I tell all the time, man, I would, again, love to just be a hermit crab and just go hide away. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to just do a job that's comfortable and easy, that doesn't have heartache and, and hardship. And when you see people die, and but it wouldn't be worth anything, you know, and... and uh, I just can't believe that I get to do what I get to do today. What he said. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm. I I do. I love collective because it constantly like reminds you of like the grace that you needed on the day that you you know accepted it. Even before that, it's the same grace that you need today. I'm thankful for the reminder and the understanding that like God saved me from you know, the the path I was on, that, like, just believing in Jesus and the sacrifice that he made for me, like, that has brought me to this place where I, if I, if you had ever asked me, though, I didn't even know you could work for a church. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't know that was a thing. I thought this is all made up. So that, I mean, that's just the most exciting part is that me by myself, I have a powerful story, and Jake by himself has a powerful story, and then together... It's like a laser beam to Watch talk out. to people. Yeah. <laughs> so what we've seen and we've been lucky enough to be a part of the last few years and is God moving through your guys' stories, you guys choosing vulnerability, which is incredibly important. And we're watching that impact other people. Um, we're watching the impact family, which is great, but also um, friends. We're watching that impact guys that are in recovery at the mission now. We're watching that impact people who had similar childhoods to you, Danielle, where um, parents who brought them to church and wanted them to have faith, but now they're wrestling as adults. And so without even really knowing it and without, you know, probing and and pushing from a sermon series, God has been using your stories to impact other people through the highs and the lows. And so when thinking about our stories, when thinking about what you guys have gone through separately, what you guys have gone through together, really how God's working in your lives— what advice would you give to other people when it comes to faith in the highs and lows, when it comes to the willingness to kind of lean into those moments and then share those stories with other people? Um, you know, what would you offer up as advice? The first thing is, if, if you don't already follow Jesus, like that, that's the first thing that you have to do. Um, I'm lucky, like, you know, I shared that my parents raised me up in a faith. And so, like, I always had, like, some sort of that foundation to fall back on. But if you don't already have Jesus a part of your life, like, 
that that is my my start because yeah. like there's a million and ten good things that you can do for yourself like you can have good friends you can have a healthy lifestyle you can go to therapy you can have hobbies um but there's only one great thing that you can do and like and that's jesus that's good advice but when it comes to like facing you know trials in your life i would say like some of those good things like the they're they're good things for a reason uh and jake and i have talked about like community being the number one thing um mm-hmm. that you have to you have to lean into uh, because without a community, like naturally, I like to bury things under the rug. I don't, I don't really like talking about feelings, put on a face, like look strong. I don't know. I might have little man syndrome because I'm not even five feet tall. I want to look strong and put together. But um, you know, having a community where you can share your story and share your your good and your bad and all of your in between, that's that's been probably the best thing that's happened to me in my 20s yeah and you kind of experienced both in your life too so it's advice where you've seen the like you shared earlier the negative impact of the wrong community mm-hmm. but then the positive impact of the right community mm-hmm. and so this isn't just theory right this is your life experience of saying i've been through stuff on both sides and the right people got me to the right places yeah because like the that right community helps push you in the direction of Jesus and keeping Jesus at the center of your life because that is the only like strong foundation that you can have in life because you know with with like losing Sarah yes it was nice like you know we talked about having Jake have that similar situation and be there for me but if I didn't have like any sort of faith like I would have gone right back to the old lifestyle that I had lived so yeah, that's good. Jake, what about you? What advice do you have for, for people, um, you know, whether that be people who are fighting in recovery, um, people who have felt the bottom fall out before faith, um, or even, you know, one of the things that you get to do is you get to serve men who are in rock bottom while wrestling with faith as well. And so, mm-hmm. you know, what advice would you give to people who, who have kind of been through any of those things? Have hope, man. Uh, don't lose hope. Uh, change is real. It's, it may seem bleak. It may seem like there is no other way and there's no escape. For one, if you're in that spot, if you're at that low, hold on. Yeah. But not hold on and, and rely on yourself, but hold on in the fact of, of like, you know, just reaching out for help, man. Trying something different. Getting honest about, you know, your, your stuff. I mean, you can call it whatever you want. I had to get honest about, you know, I like to say it might seem a little harsh, but that I suck. <laughs> I mean, I just I had to get real about it, you yeah. know. Um, nine times out of ten, times out of ten, my first thought is wrong, and I need I need some direction. So you know, reach out for help. Find a you know faith based community. Um, you know, specifically a church somewhere you can serve and you can commit. You know, a place where you can experience genuine relationships, not perfect relationships, but perfect in the sense of genuine and authentic. A place where you can begin to receive love and give love and, and, and learn how to do that. You know, when you, when you live that lifestyle for so long of protecting yourself, um, it's kind of all you know how to do. So you got to learn how to, you got to learn how to be vulnerable. You got to mm-hmm. allow yourself to be in those situations. And that doesn't happen alone. You know, for my community first started at the mission. And that led me to the, the beautiful community of Collective. Um, had some of the best relationships I've ever made at the rescue mission in that Collective. Uh, I wouldn't trade it in for anything. Um, 
again, I can get honest about my stuff and that other people are willing to get honest about theirs also. Um, I think a lot of times people look at the mission and they see it's a Christian organization or they look at a church and they, you know, hear that it's Christian and they think it should be perfect. And I don't know why we would think that's true. You know, if I'm not perfect, why would, why would the pastor be? Why would be anybody else that's in there? Um, that's what makes it so beautiful, man. It's, it's God's grace um, coming alive in a, in a group of people who need him and rely on one another. And I would say, once you get that, you got to stay there. You got to commit. You got to be willing to, to be in it uh, and work through those things. It's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be pretty. There will be, there'll be highs and lows in your faith. There'll be highs and lows. It's just life, man. There will be trouble. Um, but when you learn and, 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 and get to experience that you can do it together, you know, and that there are genuine people who really do care about you and love you and want the best for you. There's no greater thing than that, man. Besides the gift of uh, that God gave us, you know, his son, it's the relationships that we get to share with one another. Um, and I, I lost that for a long time. You know, I uh, relationships are hard. Um, life just seems easier without them. Yeah. But really it's not. So. Yeah. yeah, and I think for, you know, you guys, considering everything that you've been through, um, I hope everybody who listens to both episodes really understands you guys are, are talking from a place in the heart. It's not... Um, a staff member at a church and a case manager at the mission. Um, you guys are in those roles because of what you've been through. And I genuinely believe that once you continued and pushed in your faith and grew in your faith, that's when God kind of picked you up and, and put you in these spots uh, because he knew you were willing to take what you've been through to share with others and to encourage others. And um, it's been great. And it's... Willing. 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 <laughs> yeah. It is uncomfortable. That was one thing I uh, want to say, too. Like, yeah. it's uncomfortable. So I think a lot of it is, like, leaning into the uncomfortability. Like, you know, Jake was saying, like, it, it's it's easy to mm-hmm. stay in, like, a bad situation because the it's thought familiar. of, like, yeah, the familiarity. It's familiar. It's comfortable. Even if it's, even if you've already decided it's in a bad situation, um, uh, you, you know, you got to be willing. You got to give yourself that chance. There's people who are willing to love you and care for you. Uh, you got to give them that opportunity. Yeah, and that really is one of the best things about good community is that they push you. And um, really with you guys being the first two episodes of this podcast, it comes from a place of we're in community and pushing you guys. And, um, you know, I'm so thankful that you guys would do that and go first uh, be vulnerable first. Um, continue to be vulnerable. You know, you guys do it all the time. And sometimes it's like, hey, it's somebody else's turn. But you guys continue to say, no, like, we'll we'll take this step and we'll lead this way. And, you know, our hope and our prayer through all of this is that more people choose vulnerability and more people share their stories. And um, really more people understand that the stuff that you go through sucks and it's not what you ask for. Um, but man, like try going through without Jesus and it's even worse. Um, Jesus really is the thing that, that makes it bearable, uh, at its worst and hopeful at its best. And, uh, your guys' story reflects that. So to close out, uh, every single episode, what we do is we ask what everybody's favorite Bible verse is. And so I would love for you to share your favorite verse and, and really why. My first is Deuteronomy 31 6, uh, and that became one of my first, one of my favorite ones when we did the little like cards on the seats thing because it came during a time that I really needed it. That like God goes ahead of me, that He doesn't, that He won't fail me. I don't have to fear 
and I can be strong and courageous. Uh, I had loads of anxiety and fear that I was going to lose somebody else and all of these things. Um, but be strong and courageous, like in like a grammar sense, like that is a command. Yeah. Um, and so that's something that I've had to like really work on. Like God commands me to not be afraid, to be bold, to to trust Him, and to know that He's not going to fail me. So that one's been really helpful in the past couple years. Um, and then I also really like Psalm 23:1, where the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Um, and so like the the lacking is like like my whole story. Like I've always felt like I was lacking. Like. I need to get my A pluses. I need to be the best athlete. I need to like have the best relationship. Um, but that verse is really special because I have value strictly. I, I value. I have the things I need all stri- strictly because Jesus is my Lord and Savior, and that's it. That's that's it. I have value just because of that. Yeah. I don't have to earn it. That's good. All right, Jake, what you got? Definitely one that I, I call to. Uh, when I'm struggling, um, and it's Exodus 14, 14. Let me paraphrase it a little bit. I used to say it backwards, but it basically says, "The Lord, you need only to be still. Uh, the Lord Himself will fight for you." You know, that just it's just always a reminder that, um, you know, that I don't have to make this happen on my own. If uh, I mean, I should know by that that by now. I mean, I look back at these. You know, I've received. You know, accepted Christ at 23 and 32 now, so I have so much of a testimony of. I need only to be still. The Lord Himself will fight for you, um, and, you, and it, it's encouraging because I, I always have the ability to take my own will back, you know, and to do things my way. Um, and so He's always fighting for me, even though at times um, I might not even understand it, and it's not the way that I would do it. And I could, I could, I could rely on that. I could rely on the fact that I don't understand. It. It's not how I would do it, and I could take it back in my own hands, or I could sit there and wait and ask Him what He wants me to do. So, uh, Exodus fourteen fourteen. That's good. Well, I appreciate you guys a ton for doing this and sharing, for being vulnerable. You know, you guys choose vulnerability every day in both the jobs that you have and you choose um, being willing to share the, the highs and lows and the ups and the downs. And just to reiterate, one of the things I love about your guys' stories is that like, there's both peaks and valleys. They're both really sharp in, in, in the way they are. Um, but the confidence in which you approach your faith now, kind of coming in and out of those seasons, is, is admirable because a lot of people would have given up and a lot of people would have walked away and a lot of people you know, would view kind of the things you've gone through as consequence and punishment and there is no grace and yet you guys are both uh, grace-filled and grace-giving people. And so I appreciate you guys a ton for doing this. Thank you for sharing your story. And we know that God can use it to do big things. Thank you, guys. Thank you.